And the next reading is taken from Exodus um, chapter 28, verses 40 to 43, and you can find that on the uh, Pew Bibles on page 61. So that's Exodus 28, 40 to 43. The garments for the priests. Make tunics, sashes and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honour. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. This is the word of the Lord. Megan Markle, or should I call her Megan Mountbatten-Windsor, <laughs> now that she's married into royalty, probably has had breakfast with Phil and Liz. 18 months ago, the Queen would have had nothing to do with us. She would have been unable to approach the Queen. If she'd um, turned up to the palace gates unannounced, then she wouldn't have got past the, the, the front gate. But now she walks through the corridors of the palace and bumps into the Queen and says, Good morning, Mum. Well, I'd like to think she'd say that. <laughs> How did uh, this American actress, Megan Markle, suddenly be able to live in the presence of English royalty? The Queen, who was unapproachable, is now her, let's get it right, grandmother-in-law. How does this happen? Well, she has an inside man. <laughs> she has an inside man. Prince Harry is her inside man and so long as she stays faithful to Harry as um, husband and wife, she'll be an insider. She's been received into the royal family. Marriage to to Harry has given her that standing, given her that acceptance to live with royalty. Now the whole purpose of Moses uh, getting instructions to build the tabernacle was so that the people of Israel could live with royalty, with the king. Not with an English monarch, but with the, the king, the Lord Almighty, the king of the universe, the majestic, glorious king over everything. And the intention of uh, that king is that we may dwell with him forever. Living in the presence of God is uh, the, the title of, of this series as we look through Exodus. And as we consider that concept of being uh, in God's presence, the holy God, 
And we as imperfect and flawed and sinful people, we are brought together in love and fellowship. Now, how can that be? This is really the heart of of the, the message right here, isn't it? How can it be possible for flawed, selfish, sinful people like us to actually be able to live in God's presence. God has made a way to invite us into his very presence, that we can have fellowship with him, that we can live with him. And this has been uh, God's plan from before the beginning of time. And we see in the book of Exodus... Um, the, the symbolism of how that happened in the Old Testament and that points us through to uh, realities in the New Testament. So last week, Jimmy explained for us fairly clearly that to remain in God's holy presence, you need blood sacrifices. You need to actually have an offering to give to God. Today, um, we see that these sacrifices can only be acceptable if they're offered by an inside man. Nobody can just kind of waltz up um, into God's presence and offer a sacrifice. Uh, up until this point in time in the history of the nation of Israel, there was no organised priesthood, but now all that has changed and it has evolved from being the heads of the families who, who sacrificed to now being the, uh, the tribe of Levi. So the inside man is the, is the priest, the Old Testament priest. The tribe of Levi, specially chosen by God to be the ones who would, who would represent God to the people. And the Lord gave these priests uh, special clothing, a special ceremony, special preparation so that they could serve him in their task of being the priest. Exodus 28 has this story for us. We read the last bit. Let me read you the first verse of Exodus 28. The Lord says to Moses, Bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among all the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. So Aaron and his descendants are about to be prepared to be priests and that would be the priesthood for the nation of Israel all the way through the future history. So the descendants of Aaron were made God's inside men. God chose them. They were ordinary Israelites. They, they, they weren't more holy or more important or more regal than any other Israelites. No, God just chose them because of his choice. But then he made sure that they were able to uh, come into his presence by special clothing, special ceremonies. Um, we'll hear a bit more about the clothing in a couple of weeks' time when we look at the high priest. Um, but we see from... Um, that reading today from Exodus 28 that, that Moses was told to make tunics, sashes and caps for Aaron's sons to give them dignity and honour. So the clothing that they wore might seem a bit strange to us but it actually uh, had a connection with God's 
character, with God's dignity and God's honour, which he was bestowing on them. And God says to Moses, make them linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Thigh length bond undies. There they are. Exodus 28. All of these clothing they had to wear uh, so that they were acceptable to God. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. This is a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. You see, tied up with, with the clothing and the connections of that, that made, uh, God has received these men into his presence, but they must come according to God's instruction and God's purpose. Um, so we have the clothing, then we have the ceremony. We didn't read any of that. It's in chapter 29 and 30. It's quite a, a lengthy um, description there. It was a seven-day ceremony of making Aaron and his four sons uh, ready and satisfactory to be able to serve God as his priests. So um, we know what, just briefly what, was, what that was made up of though. Um, Moses was told to anoint the priests, so to pour oil on their heads, marking them out as God's chosen one, the, the anointed one. Then we read that Moses was told to ordain them and the ordination ceremony is, is given here in great detail involving sacrifices of animals. Who went to Jimmy's ordination um, in the cathedral? last February, quite a few of us. Anyone see any blood splashed around or any animals? No, but you're at the right place and you'll find out why later on. But that's what happened in this ordination. These animals uh, were sacrificed to show God's acceptance of the priests as they um, was, were to serve him. And then we are told he consecrated them which involved other sacrifices uh, of animals. This was to make them holy in God's service so that the sacrifices of consecration dealt with their sin, made atonement for their sin. That's the technical word that the scriptures use. So the atonement of sin is the, the dealing with sin, the covering of sin, the, uh, the fact that God has taken away their sin and they're consecrated. They are made holy. They're clean and they are appropriately uh, addressed and ready for God's service. So what was the, the point of, of um, all this um, involvement of the details of the, of the anointing and, and the um, ordination and the consecration? Well, we get it at the end of the, the ceremony in Exodus 30, if you've got your Bibles open there. Exodus 30, 33 to 35, God speaks, So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, and I will cons consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell amongst the Israelites and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them I am the Lord their God. 
the whole intention and purpose, as we said, is that God can dwell with his people. One thing that we learn from the Old Testament is that God is a holy God. And we cannot approach him on our own merits. We must follow his instructions. And here we see that the priests are the, the insiders. The priests are the ones who make it possible for the Lord to dwell amongst his people. So what's so special about the priests? They were chosen and they were, they were set apart and made holy. Uh, so long as they did everything that God told them to do, they could dwell in God's presence. They could enter into the tabernacle, into the holy place. And the high priest could enter into the holy of holies. So uh, what was their work? Well, they did anything and everything that was associated with the tabernacle and um, all the trimmings and trappings. So when the tent was taken down, it was only the, the descendants of, of um, Aaron and the Levites who were allowed to touch any of that stuff. Only they could pack it all up. They had to care for it, um, transport it, look after it, uh, you know, put, put it all together. But their main work was actually at the altar. So from morning until noon, uh, sun up till sundown, in this particular period of their history in, in Israel, there were, there were sacrifices being made and, and animals burning on the altar. So if you wanted to come before God and worship him and give him thanks and praise, you came with an animal. And when you came through the, the curtain, as Jimmy mentioned last week, the thing that was right in front of you was this huge bronze barbecue, this altar of sacrifice. And what you did was you then looked for a priest. Now, they weren't hard to find because they had the funny white caps on and they had the gown on, they had the, the linen tunic and over the top was the blue um, part of the tunic and they had the long bonds undies on. Um, so you found yourself a priest and what, what you did then was you actually killed the animal that you had brought. The priest didn't um, do the, the butchering of the animal. That was the worshipper. So I didn't see anyone arrive with uh, animals this morning. Uh, no blood sacrifices needed. But in, in those days... That was how it happened. So the worshipper came. What the priest did was he collected the blood because the blood represented the life of the animal and the wages of sin is death. So the animal died in the place of the worshipper. The worshipper put his hands on the head of the animal and then butchered it. He then, or she, then cleansed, um, washed the, the, the carcass you needed some butchering skills so you could cut the animal up. The instructions were given and then you placed the animal on the altar. The priest with his bowl of blood then splashed the blood on the base of the altar and then he ignited the fire underneath your sacrifice and it was accepted by God. So he, he splashed the blood. The blood was like a sin disinfectant. Okay, we, we think blood is yucky, but it, 
in this case, blood is good. It disinfects, it, it covers sin, it removes the presence of sin. So the priest does that on behalf of the, the worshipper and God receives that sacrifice and that worshipper is able to live in God's presence. So only priests could offer these sacrifices. So you truly did need an inside man, a priest, to bring you closer to God. And so long as um, the people of Israel came to God with their sacrifices and with repentance, they were considered holy and acceptable to dwell in God's presence. Notice that there are a few gradations of, of holiness as you move through the tent. They couldn't go right into the very um, tent of meeting, but they could live in the presence of God. Now, um, here's the point. Do you need a priest today? What do you think? Do you need a priest today? It's a trick question. <laughs> you don't need an Old Testament priest, but you do need a priest. Why? Do you still have the problem of sin in your life? Yes. Are you able to make atonement for your own sin? Is there anything that you can do to remove that sin? No. Can you make yourself right and holy and acceptable by your own efforts? No. So we do need a priest. But we look at the Old Testament system and it had a couple of major problems. The first one to point out was that the priest was like you he had his own sin that he had to deal with so the priest uh, was an inside man yes but not without his own sin and guilt and he had to be so careful that he did everything just as God had commanded on the fear of death on the fear of his own death and the priests did die they were continually replaced because they were human beings, they were sinners and in the end they died. So those are the, so those are the problems. Now it might not surprise you greatly to uh, under, uh, understand and appreciate that the King of Heaven has slightly higher standards than the Queen of England when it comes to those who can associate with him. So the priests were forever trying to keep themselves acceptable in God's eyes. So the sacrificial system um, was a lesson. It was, it was effective, but it was a lesson, a symbol pointing to a greater reality. And the relevance of the sacrifice of blood and the burning of the animal carcass um, is to point forward to another great sacrifice. Even in the Old Testament, it's written that um, the people realise that an animal cannot actually give its life for a human being. The blood of bulls and goats can't substitute for the payment due for one person's sins. But they're symbols, symbols pointing to the perfect sacrifice and the perfect priest.
we need a priest who is the perfect inside man. A priest who is without sin. A priest who is like God. The perfect go-between, the perfect inside man. And of course, as we read the scriptures, it's not a surprise to us that Jesus is this priest, that Jesus is this promised Messiah, that he is the anointed one, that he is the perfect one who has been consecrated and who is holy in God's sight. He is the perfect sacrifice. The Old Testament symbolism uh, points to Jesus as the fulfilment of this. But in the light of the Old Testament, we, we see more of our of how amazing it is that God has put this in place and we see more of how incredible it is that Jesus was prepared before the beginning of time to be this priest. From the reading from Hebrews 7, verse 26, talking about Jesus, such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So we need a priest who is holy and blameless and pure and set apart and exalted in the heavens, Jesus certainly qualifies, doesn't he? Jesus is God who has come to us for this very purpose that, he, that we might live with him, that we might live in the very presence of God. Jesus, we are told, meets our need. Such a high priest truly meets our need. Our need is to have our sins washed away. Our need is to be restored, to be consecrated, to be made holy in God's eyes so that we can live in his presence. What about the blood? What about the sacrifice of, of the giving of blood to actually deal with the atonement for sin? Well, we find here at the end of verse 27 that Jesus sacrificed for their sins, that's the sins of the people, once and for all, and then he offered himself. That is an amazing statement, isn't it? Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, has dealt with the problems of sin for all people. The Old Testament people were forgiven because of the death of Jesus. The symbolism of the sacrifices uh, pointed to Jesus. So the, the death of Jesus stands outside of time, or rather in the middle of time. Everything else is seen in the light of the, of the cross of Christ. The whole of, of history and, and God's purpose is seen in the light of of the cross of Christ. So Jesus was both the priest and the sacrifice. He offered himself once for all. We don't need any other sacrifice. 
we don't have any altars. This is not an altar. It's called a holy table where we remember where Jesus died and where Jesus gave his life for us. He sacrificed once and for all, offering himself for our sin. Just let that sink in. We, we have heard that phrase or similar many times if you've been coming to church for a long time because it is the centre of the gospel. But how amazing is that? That God's plan, shown in Exodus, is pointing forward to the coming of Jesus who came to, to dwell with us, who came to tabernacle with us, John 1.14 says, so that we can live in his presence. And the only way to do that is by Jesus giving his life, by Jesus acting as our priest and giving his own life as a sacrifice for our sin. No more blood needed. No more animal sacrifices needed. No more altars needed. Because Jesus Christ is the perfect inside man. We have no other priest but Jesus. And Paul makes this clear in the letter he writes to Timothy, and I'll finish with this sentence. Paul writes, There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Let me pray. Lord God, we are awestruck that you would have planned such a thing from before the beginning of time. That Jesus would come and be our, our priest, come and offer his own life as a sacrifice for our sins. Come to do this, Lord, because without him we are lost. Without the, the Jesus being our priest, we are nothing. We face your wrath and judgment. But Lord, in your purposes and in your kindness and love, you sent Jesus, the only one, the only mediator, the only one who can fulfill the role of priest and sacrifice. So Lord, help us to live in your presence with great joy, but with great awe as we remember what Christ has done for us. Amen. Hearing God's words.